Talk. holiday. Thanks for joining us again uh, in the new year, 2017, for another edition of the DC Films Podcast, episode 24. I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts, Shayna and Jess. Say hi, ladies. Hi, ladies. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so we got we got a lot on our plate this week. We got some stuff to talk about with Shazam, The Flash, Justice League, and then later on, we're going to get into a big, big discussion about about the Batman movie. So I'm really excited for that. So let's let's kick this episode off with um, the Justice League. Um, first things first. There's a there's a rumor going around from Umberto Gonzalez, who uh, uh, is co-founder of uh, the Heroic Hollywood website and also reports for the Rap.com. Uh, says that we're going to get our next trailer for the Justice League movie in the spring of 2017, which, you know, even though this movie comes out, uh, um, when does when does it come out? The fall of 2017? So they're, they're cutting it pretty close by only giving us another trailer a few months before the movie comes out, I think, right? Um, but also, there's some speculation here that we're going to get to see Arkham Asylum in the Justice League movie. Now, um... The reason why this is coming up is because there is an entry on the IMDb page for the Justice League movie, which has Arkham Guard, Arkham Guard 2, and Lex Luthor's Guard all listed as roles in the film. So this has people saying, you know, maybe we're going to get to see Arkham Asylum, which gives Zack Snyder the opportunity to, I guess, hopefully, maybe put some Easter eggs in there, because we all know from Man of Steel that he likes to pump movies full of Easter eggs. And even from The Watchmen, uh, I don't know if you remember The Watchmen in the beginning of the film when they're introducing all the characters and they have all that slow-mo stuff. Um, there is a scene of Night Owl beating up a, a, a criminal who has a gun while a couple and their son are standing in the background watching him. And then on the wall plaster behind him are posters of Batman number one from 1940. That was supposed to be an Easter egg saying, hey, here's Thomas and Martha Wayne and Bruce, young Bruce Wayne. And the reason why Batman's not in this universe is because Night Owl saved his parents from being murdered. Whoa, I never noticed hmm. that. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch it. <laughs> yeah. If, if you have three hours. Hold on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Zack Snyder loves to put Easter eggs. If, if, if this is true, uh, what would you what would you guys what would you guys want to see like as far as an Easter egg in 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 that movie like we're gonna see Arkham Asylum 
So tell me what you want to see. Like Arkham Asylum is just for for context for those of you who don't know, and and if you don't know, then it's probably good that you're listening to this podcast because we're more than willing to help you out. Arkham Asylum is the uh, uh, is the Arkham Asylum for the criminally insane, located on the outskirts of Gotham City, which is, as we all know, Batman's turf, and it houses some of the most dangerous criminals ever to uh, to plague the city. Um, not the least of which are the likes of Joker, uh, Two-Face, Penguin, Riddler, you know. Um, even though some of the villains may have more of a criminal background and not so much an insane background, I think at some point or another every single one of Batman's villains has done a stint in Arkham Asylum. So... Are there any villains that you that you want to see make an appearance, even if it's just a tiny cameo, just an appearance in the film? Like, say, Zack Snyder, we need to see these people here, right? Like, all of them? <laughs> like, just, just one scene of Batman walking down the hallway for the entire Rose Gallery, and you just get to see little snippets of each and every one, and it's like, oh my god! So you're saying we should we should be able to see, let's see, let's let's go down the list. We got... We got the Riddler. Yes. Um, we yes. have Joker. Should we have Joker in there? Jared Leto's Joker? I don't know. Has he been captured? Or is he is he essentially dead in this series after Suicide Squad? I don't know. I would. That's true. He's up in the air. He's a little... Uh, maybe... Or there. <laughs> maybe, maybe instead of seeing Joker in his cell, we just see Joker's cell with, like, Ha ha ha! Written in feces or something all over the wall, like, <laughs> and and then there's just there's just uh, police crime scene tape all over that, all over the cell because you also see like a splatter of blood or something indicating something happened and you know just he got out and he murdered yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like I mean? maybe like uh, the bars on the window are all bent. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's super strong. <laughs> The Joker is super strong. (laughs) And of course, we have to see Harley, because how many times have Joker broken out of Arkham and he leaves Harley? Right, so... Too many. (laughs) Now, that's an interesting point, because at this point in the game, with the Justice League movie, Harley Quinn is, is essentially a member of Task Force X. So would she go back to... Would she go back to Arkham, or would she... Where she can easily escape, or should she stay in Bell Rev? Hmm. Huh. Bell Rev being the the maximum security facility where all of Task Force X usually end up being held, so that Amanda Waller can keep an eye on them and mobilize them anytime she right. needs, without having to go through all that red tape of going to Arkham and getting somebody out. Yeah. Well, doesn't sure. don't they like have to stay back there? Like, why? You know, like what would be the reason for them to be in Arkham Asylum? Right. Well, I mean Harley because she's just crazy. <laughs> um. So she sh- she definitely has all the reason in the world to be there. But um, I'm not. Sh- I would love to see. I would love to see just the classic Rogues Gallery. Just a just a walk down. Absolutely. Um, what about, let's say, let's see, Poison Ivy? 
could we could we possibly see some some plant activity going on in Arkham? Totally, especially with the new Maybe. sirens. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. They could like you know cross promote that and put in some uh, a couple characters and be like, hey guys, don't forget they're <laughs> gonna have a movie too. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. Um, with uh, with the Gotham City Sirens movie getting geared up to be made, and hopefully we'll see it next year or start to see the the movie coming together. Yeah, why not throw a little bit of a of an Easter egg toward Gotham City Sirens? Give us give us Poison Ivy, where she's just like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what any I don't know about any botany terms. So but she just she's just playing <laughs> with plants. So there's a <laughs> you know, surprised rose that she always has. She's she's like she you know she's just holding a potted plant and you know <laughs> tickling the petals of the plant or something because she's crazy and she loves plants. Like this mine. Let's see who else could we put in there? I guess if you put poison ivy there, maybe you could also do Catwoman. Maybe maybe this maybe this universe's version of Catwoman is like she takes the cat persona a little too seriously. And so, like, everything about her has to be cat-related. So, like, she has uh, cat posters hanging in, hanging <laughs> on the wall in her cell. She's actually got, like, a bunch of stuffed cats in her room that she just sits there and, and she'll just purr. and <laughs> Balls of yarn. Know, right. Like, she's just crazy. Out of her mind, Catwoman. Um, Drinking milk. Right. Out of a saucer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we could have that a little bit of a little bit of a crazy thing going on there. Let's see. Um, what about what about now? Remember, this is this is after like Dark Knight Returns era of Batman that this Justice League movie would be in. So wouldn't it be cool if they threw another homage to Dark Knight Returns in Justice League with Two Face, but completely healed? But still thinking that you know, just like in the in the Dark Knight Returns story, where he's he's got the plastic surgery, his face looks normal again, and but he just he can't help but see the ugly side of himself, and so that's driven him mad, and he's just going crazy. Or maybe maybe he's got a straight jacket on and a muzzle or something. You know what I mean? Maybe like even though his face is healed, he still like draws on one side of his face like what it used to look like, like his oh. dark side. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that would be awesome! I think that would be really cool. Like he just draws all these like burn marks and and you know and and then eventually uh, Harvey Dent Two Face gets his own YouTube channel and and gives makeup tutorials. <laughs> he, gets, he gets so good at it. <laughs> Um, okay, so we got, you know, um, we got some stuff about that. Um, now, it's, it, this this article, getting back to it, I think we got off track a little bit, but that was fun. I like that. Um, <laughs> now, they're talking about the possibility of, uh, let's see, some, ori- the, according to this article from comicbook.com, it says, uh, some early storyboards for Justice League revealed by Zack Snyder showed a scene where, Lex supposedly meets with Deathstroke and is the one responsible for putting uh, him on Batman's trail. And then the scene admittedly looked like admittedly looked like it took place in an office, but knowing Lex, that's an arrangement he could definitely make happen with an Arkham. Because even though he's in Arkham Asylum, he might still be a bajillionaire, you know. 
So he has some pull. Like, tell the guards, like, I'll give you $500,000 if you let me use this office for 10 minutes and don't ask <laughs> questions, you know? Um, the other possibility is that he uses Deathstroke to help him get out of Arkham by force, uh, possible legal manipulation, um, or, you know, after Lex breaks out by legal manipulation, he goes after Deathstroke to start hunting Batman. Um, but that's, that's, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool, I think. Um, seeing, getting to see Arkham Asylum and, and Deathstroke in a Justice League movie. I mean, he was actually working with Lex Luthor, uh, to try and hunt down Aquaman's hidden army in the now sunken Europe ocean, whatever, under Paris. And then Aquaman shows up and, and kills everybody, which is kind of anticlimactic, but you know, that's what happened. So we've seen we've seen Lex and Deathstroke working together before, so it's not it's not too far fetched, and and they actually work well together. You know, they're both very very cold calculating minds, so they don't beat around the bush about anything, especially not in that story, which is based on a Flashpoint paradox, uh, uh, story arc, and we get to see uh, we get to see a little bit of how it would look how it would look with uh, Lex and Deathstroke interacting. So, if you haven't if you haven't gotten a chance to see uh, but Justice League the Flashpoint Paradox is where you see Deathstroke and Lex Luthor partner up, the animated film. So, if you haven't watched that yet, you should definitely check it out. Okay. Moving on, Here's another here's another little tidbit that's that's been making the rounds uh, this past week is Usain Bolt, the actual fastest man alive, wants to have a cameo <laughs> in the Flash movie. Um, what he's uh, he was asked if he would ever make an appearance in a superhero movie by MTV International, he, and he said, undoubtedly, as if he knew what he knew for a long time, this is what he wanted. He said he'd be, he would love to do a cameo in The Flash. He said, he said let me talk to some people. <laughs> you know, so huh. I think that would, that would be pretty cool. Like, let's, let's give a nod because all these superhero movies, you know, they, they're, they're inside their own universe, and that's great. But, you know, every once in a while, if you have, like, a real-life thing, like Stan Lee making a cameo in every single Marvel movie, you know, that's kind of like a little bit of a fourth-wall break because – you know, he's everywhere, and, and he just melts into the crowd, you know what I mean? So maybe have something like that, Usain Bolt, where he's just he's just running, and the Flash runs next to him, and then he pulls away from the Flash for a second. I don't know. I think that would be pretty funny. It would be pretty neat. And in, this, and in the vein of the Flash's comedy, right? I could see, like, maybe... Um, like the flash is, is like going somewhere and he ends up in like this race with, um, Usain Bolt and he's like, Oh, well, I'm the fastest living person on earth. What are you going to do about it? And they like have this little showdown and make like a whole joke out of it. (laughs) That would actually be pretty cool. Like, like, uh. Let's say they're celebrating Flash Day or getting ready to open a Flash Museum and Usain Bolt shows up and gives them like a key to the city or something. (laughs) (laughs) That would be pretty cool. I would love to see something like that. Just to see them, just the two of them interact with each other would be awesome. Um, Yeah. Next, uh, let's see here. 
Now, there have been a few hiccups, as we've discussed in the past with the Flash movie, talking about what director, you know, um, we want for the Flash. That was, I think, was that last episode or the episode before? Either episode 22 or 23, we talked about what director we would like to see uh, take up the reins for the Flash movie. So, yeah, it was the last episode. It, it was, was episode totally 23. Like. So go if you, haven't, <laughs> if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out because we had a really great discussion on it. And we all came up with some really great ideas for who we think would be a great fit for a flash movie. So go ahead and check that out. We'll, you know, pause the, uh, pause this podcast, pause this episode and go back and listen. Go ahead. We'll wait. You're back. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, it's, it stinks because, you know, we really want to see a good flash movie being made, but it's, it's disheartening disheartening to see how many directors are dropping out you know it's already gone through two directors and we have no idea who the next one's going to be so and no one has even stepped up yeah there hasn't been any like news about it lately right right i've been waiting to see what happens with that and and nobody nobody's stepping up to the plate maybe they maybe they got uh rick famayiwa to come back i don't know you know, mm. he's he's renegotiating. You know, uh, but who knows? Um, but speaking of speaking of of negotiating, um, one one last little uh, little tidbit of news before we get into the big stuff with the Batman movie. I'm really excited about that. So let's get through this, and then we can focus on that. Um, as we all know, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been cast as Black Adam for the upcoming Shazam movie. And he's had this role locked down for a couple of years now. And it's easy to see why, you know, he's built essentially for the role. He can pull off the look of black Adam and, and essentially it's a role that he wants to play. So, you know, that's, that's three for three. And who wouldn't want to see the rock play black Adam It's it, any, any DC fan will be like, Oh my God, that's perfect. Now, the big problem that we've had, though, is who's going to play Shazam opposite Black Adam? Now, Billy Batson we're not really concerned about uh, because he's not going to be the character who's – maybe he might, you know. Uh, but he's not going to be the character who's going to be going toe-to-toe with Black Adam, basically. So we want to know who's going to be Shazam. And – just just in the past couple of days, we get this uh, uh, we get this sweet little tidbit. Um, Brandon Malale, who apparently has been campaigning for the role of Shazam for at least the last nine years, um, said uh, got to say on Twitter that he's finally had a sit down with Dwayne Johnson uh, about playing the role of of Shazam. Now, unfortunately, he had to clarify some things because on Twitter he did say, I've been waiting nine years for this moment, and I'm so happy that I finally got to have this talk. And he he typed hashtag Shazam, and then he also tagged The Rock in it. I'm like, oh my god, did he finally get it? Is he going to be Shazam? But he had to clarify. Unfortunately, there's nothing going on right now with that. He had to clarify his statement, basically saying he had a conversation with Dwayne, 
and, quote, expressed my passion and interest to play Shazam. That's it, end quote. And, uh, you know, you can go on his Twitter, at Brandon Malale, and see that for yourself. Now, he has he has something he has been campaigning for a long time. I've I've found interviews with other people, uh, with Brandon, go dating back to two thousand seven, and even back then he was talking about being Shazam. So this is something that he's been wanting for a very long time, and you know honestly, I, it I guess it would be cool to see it a, a guy campaigning for almost a decade for Hollywood to cast him for a role. It kind of feels like he's earned it at this point but also you know i'm not really fully on board with the idea of him playing the role uh i've seen him in his in his other roles he's been in he's been in movies uh like he was mr deeds where he played that that uh uh that football player who wanted more money that adam sandler punched out um he was in Dodgeball, where he played the character Blaze on Ben Stiller's dodgeball team. He's been in a number of TV shows and movies, and he's all over the place in minor roles. And and I guess, you know, he really wants this. But I have to ask, if you could pick anybody to play Shazam, which, keep in mind, Shazam is a grown man with the personality of a 10 or 11 year old boy who would best embody that to you my pick would be kellen lutz um otherwise known as one of the guys from twilight one of edward's uh weird brothers but okay so i came up with this because yes captain marvel is like a big buff muscular guy but I think Kellen Lutz could also pull off the uh, childlike qualities as well. So there you have it, folks. Kellen Lutz. You know, it's interesting you say that because he's done – He's, you know, because he has the sculpted body and it's – you know, he's a big guy. Um, after he was done with Twilight, he also did a couple of, we'll say, Greek mythology films. Hmm. Yes. For example, he was in the movie Immortals. He played the role of Poseidon. And then he he was actually Hercules. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much more Shazam than than that. Cuz Hercules Shazam Batman. <laughs> Cuz Hercules is uh I believe Hercules is one of the uh demigods that gives Shazam his power. I looked it up. He does get the strength of Hercules. Yes. Okay, great. So the wisdom of Solomon, and he gets the strength of Hercules. So there you have it, Kellen Lutz. He's he's already <laughs> he's already built for the role, I guess you could say. Um, Shayna, who's your pick? Okay, okay, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Totally, John Cena. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> That's awesome, John Cena. He's a big guy, and he he does a lot of comedy roles. So. Yeah, I could see John Cena. He, you know, he, um, he, I think, captures the essence of of childhood curiosity. Maybe like he's, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to decipher this in my brain. Um, 
Well, they constantly in the WWE refer to him as a superhero. You're like, he's Super Cena. So it kind of works. There you go. So he's already got the superhero motif. Why else do you think he should play Captain... Or, I'm sorry, Shazam. Um, because a biased opinion, he's hot. <laughs> but that aside, that aside, he's like, he has the look. Yeah. I mean, he's been in active four, so he knows how to play roles and everything. Right. He's got the chops. Okay. Definitely got the chops. So, and you know, this is an opportunity as well to bring in a whole slew of, of WWE fans because who wouldn't want to see John Cena and The Rock face off as superheroes in a DC movie? Yeah. I mean, not only are you getting DC fans, you're also going to get WWE fans, which, let's be honest, probably has a little bit of a bigger following than the DC universe does. You know what I mean? So, kind of. You know, <laughs> so if you get if you get that cred in, not only will this movie make a ton of money, but you're also going to introduce a whole new generation of people uh, to maybe one thing and then something else. There's there's you know, there's an, uh, an opportunity for cross-promotion and maybe not so much getting trailers out, but maybe, like, having The Rock show up in the ring dressed as Black Adam or, you oh, know, John Cena sh- dressed up as, as Shazam. You know, like, or so- something to that effect. You know, cross-promote the movie and and uh, the WWE. I think that would be pretty cool. There's a lot of opportunities there. That's They've really already nice. done that. Oh, have they? At one point, uh, Nikki Bella, who was John Cena's girlfriend, came out in, like, a Wonder Woman-inspired ring attire. And then we have the Alexa Bliss, who I utterly hate with a passion, trying to be Harley Quinn. Oh, jeez. Is that why you hate her? Sure, right. Just a little bit. She's a little bit bit of a poser. But, like, (laughs) Cena and The Rock matches themselves are WrestleMania quality, so you get them together, and then in a film on top of it, it's like movie gold. There you go. That's it. Um, all right, so I have, I have a pick of my own, and I hope, I hope you guys understand, um, my pick, or even like it, because I, I honestly, he's really only my pick because we'd basically be ripping him from the Marvel Universe, but... I my my choice and it's not even the Marvel Cinematic Universe it's just Marvel but we'd be taking them back and and I don't know how how it'd go since they're planning on relaunching the whole franchise anyway but um, Daniel Cudmore who uh, is probably most notable for his role as Colossus in Days of Future Past um, which is one of the X Men movies he was also in uh, X Men The Last Stand where he played Colossus and. He, uh, you know, he's he's a big guy, and he could he could probably pull the role off pretty well. He's well built, he's got the chiseled looks, um, and plus bonus, he's already had a uh, a stint in the DC television universe where he played the character Jackhammer on an episode of Arrow this last season. So there's that as well. So he's already got his foot in the door. He's already got the experience with that. Um, so what do you say? Let's rip Colossus out of the X-Mansion and 
stick him in in Fawcett City, so he can fight Black Adam. That's that's my pet. It sounds like a plan. Okay. So those are those are our casting choices for um, for Shazam, the character of Shazam. Now, like I said, Brandon Mullally has been uh, uh, campaigning for a very long time, and it will be sad if after almost a decade of campaigning he doesn't get it. But also, we're you know kind of we got our own picks, as you can tell. So uh, uh, so that's fun. Now we get to get to the to the best part I think of this whole podcast, the most fun I think we're gonna have uh, today. Um, this has been going around for the past couple weeks, and by no means should you take any of it as pure hard fact. As always, unless it's officially confirmed by the studio, take everything you hear, everything you read on the internet with a grain of salt. Um, but the latest bit that's been going around about the Batman movie is. Ben Affleck said that if there's no script, then he's not. If if it's a mediocre film, then he's not going to waste his time. He it's got to be excellent. Um, and what we're hearing now is maybe there's not a script for Batman. So, being good and loyal fans, like we are, we are going to take it upon ourselves to provide Mr. Affleck with uh, some possible choices for inspiration uh, to make the Batman movie. So we're going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to help you out, give you some ideas. This is what we think you should make a Batman movie out of. Now, there are over 75 years worth of stories to tell in a Batman movie. So literally could write a movie script about anything. Um, but we're going to talk about our favorites, our picks, the, the Batman stories that we want to see on the big screen. Um, so, Shayna, I know you are a huge Batman fan, probably as much as I am, um, if not a little bit more. <laughs> and, and trust me, it, it pains me to say you might be more of a fan than I am because I've read almost everything that has ever been put out uh, relating to Batman. Um, so I want to hear, Shayna, from you first. What story do you most want to see made into a Batman movie? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I am a sucker for the long Halloween. That is like my one of my most favorites. The long Halloween. Yes. Wow. That's I I love that story too. It's it's interesting because it takes you in one one direction and then um if you followed up, I think with Haunted Night, it it completely does a 180 and and or a 90 degree turn, and just takes you off in a completely different direction. You have no idea what's going on by <laughs> by the end of the book. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us what you love about the Long Halloween. Why you think it would work? Well, the most simplest things is because look at all of the action packedness it has and all of the rogues gallery that you get to see you get to see basically everybody and who doesn't love a movie with every single freaking villain in it that's a good way to frame it absolutely you have you have a lot of the rogues gallery because i guess batman's trying to figure out who who it was the holiday killer right batman's trying to figure out who the holiday killer is 
and he's going after everybody. That's that's actually a really cool, really cool thing to look at. I like that. I like that. Anything else you want to say about it? Well, it also has its subplot. It has plot twists. Like you would never have thought the person at the end was actually the holiday killer. Like what? I mean, you have the subplot of the whole Harvey Dent becoming Two-Face. Well, one of the stories, anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you have so much going on, and it just drives you nuts. <laughs> um, that's great. I, for one, love to see um, stories of this magnitude. What you're going to see, if you've never read The Long Halloween, basically is Batman is trying to find this holiday killer, and... He, he says he's going to strike on each holiday uh, on the calendar and, you know, kill somebody. Immediately, you might think it's, hey, you know, calendar man, easy, done. No, it's not. So Batman starts going through all these, all these villains, right? And it ends up being none of them. And who it turns out to be is absolutely incredible. If you haven't read The Long Halloween yet, it's been out for like 20 years. You need to go read it <laughs> and just just immerse yourself. The Long Halloween and then the follow-up, Haunted Night. You have to watch, You have to read both of them. They're absolutely fantastic books. I think that was uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did those books, right? Written by Jeff Loeb and with art by Tim Sale. It was phenomenal. Great yeah, work. totally. So, um, okay, great. Jess, what is your pick? What Batman story do you think Ben Affleck should take his inspiration from? Last episode, we we touched upon it briefly, but I am a sucker for origin stories of, like, I don't care what character it is. I love seeing, um, like, where their motivation comes from and how they uh, become that character and, like, what really influences them. And I think it would be really cool okay. to, I mean, well, not like the whole movie be the origin story, but at least have some of that in there for Batman and maybe um, Deathstroke or whoever else uh, is substantial enough in the movie that might, it would be cool to see it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just love origin stories. Okay. Mad love. Perfect. <laughs> Mad Love. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I gotta read that one. Mad Love, Mad Love oh. is the origin of Harley Quinn. It's how yeah. she, how how the Joker, you know, uh, convinced her, and and you know, yeah, you know what that that might actually that might actually work as a Batman movie, you know, um, because it's it wouldn't focus specifically on Batman's origin, but we didn't really get an origin story for Harley. We got little, <laughs> you know clips and flashbacks oh she dropped in a vat of acid let me me tell you something that that drop in the vat of acid thing that didn't happen until recently in the comic books i'm talking like in the last five years that 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 happened Mm -hmm. harley quinn was harley quinn long before that unfortunately she had to physically put on makeup to match the joker's complexion so i think there's there's uh there's an opening for that to be explored you know um but the the way that the way that i can tell you the way that suicide squad jumped her they, from being dr quinzel straight to being harley quinn and the way that they did it 
mm. and then the flashes through their history as a couple, like with them dancing and her with the jester outfit and him with the tuxedo, uh, uh, paying homage to that. I will say that 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 particular scene paying homage to uh, uh, Alex Ross's uh, art piece of the Joker and Harley dancing. I, there's a specific name for that art piece, and I it escapes uh, me at the moment. I can't think of it. But um, <laughs> but you know. Uh, uh, just showing us flashes here and there, I think they really did the character no justice whatsoever. And there's a lot more to Harley's origin story, and I would love to see it explored in, in, a, in a Batman movie. Because we know we're not going to get a Harley solo movie um, anytime soon. So, there you have it. I think I, origin stories, you can, always go, you can always go right with an origin story. People will say they're tired of it, but they're always going to come see it. Let's see how they screwed this one up. You know, or something, <laughs> so, something like that. But origin stories are always, always a good place to start for any character. Um, now, my my pick is a little hard to even wrap my head around, because, specifically because it's such a long story. But it's 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 been my absolute favorite Batman story since I got into comics, like. The first graphic novel that I ever had was this story, and uh, it was actually the fifth volume of this story. So it wasn't even like the beginning, and I'm like, oh, I love it from beginning to end. No, later, I had to wait until much later on to track down the rest of the the uh, volumes in that story, so that I could read the whole thing and and just be uh, encapsulated by it, and. The story that I'm talking about is uh, Batman No Man's Land. Yes, I did not include that in my article because I didn't know if I should. <laughs> um, Batman No Man's Land, I have been dying to see on film for for as long as I've read the story. I've read I've read the hardcover novelization of the story written by Greg Rucka. I've read the graphic novels. I've listened to the audiobook. <laughs> yes, there's an audiobook of Batman No Man's Land, and it is fantastic. Um, it took me, I think, like three weeks to listen to the whole thing because the story is so long. Um, but I think the closest that we got to Batman No Man's Land was in The Dark Knight Rises, and it's such a shame because it was a great story to use, but it was just, it was just the the weaving in and out of the story the way that it worked it was just it just didn't work for me and i think batman omens like to this day i think um is up there probably going to be one of the best told batman stories now if you don't know what batman no man's land is check this out so there is just a massive earthquake that pretty much all but destroys gotham city and the U.S. the U.S. government basically says the city's beyond saving. Why would we want to save it anyway? Let's just push it off to the side and cut our losses. We're gonna condemn this and make it nothing. Right. And and um, Batman has to fight. He has to fight essentially the U.S. government um, as Bruce Wayne to get the No Man's Land sanction lifted. Um, they, the city is in, sh the city is a shambles 
Uh, not everybody could get out, so there's a ton of civilians trapped in the city. Um, the United States government blows all the bridges so that nobody can get... Uh, they gave everybody a chance to leave, but anybody who stayed behind is now stuck there because they blew all the bridges out. That and try to kill you if you leave. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, Bruce Wayne is constantly... Uh, he's He's got to pretend that he's not in Gotham, but as Batman, you know, he's got to be there. And he's coordinating with all his team, Robin, Nightwing, um, uh, uh, Spoiler, uh, Huntress, uh, uh, even Catwoman's involved. You know, he's coordinating with all these people just to keep, you know, Gotham City from tearing itself apart in, in this very, very trying time. And as Bruce Wayne, he's going to Washington. He fights for the better part of a year in, uh, in Washington to get the No Man's Land sanction lifted. And then finally, when he does, Lex Luthor comes in and tries to secretly buy up all the land through dummy corporations and, and false names, buy up all the property in Gotham City so that he can essentially own it. And Bruce Wayne finds this out uh, because Lucius Fox found it out. So now Lucius is about to go confront this. My favorite scene, a favorite part of the whole story is that's the very end. Lucius Fox goes up to Lex Luthor's office uh, in Gotham and confronts him about all the pro- fake properties that he's build, uh, that he's uh, buying up and, and actually not paying any money for. Um, and Lex Luthor tries to have Lucius Fox killed. He's like, I, I remember it clear as day, Mercy, kill him before he gets downstairs. And Mercy Graves, his his personal guard, you, everybody knows who Mercy Graves is. Uh-huh. She goes to open the door, and boom! Batman kicks the doors down, and and he just takes her down in like three hits. And then he jumps up on Luthor's desk and picks him up like Batman would, like picks him up out of his chair with one hand, and says, "This is my city. I told you not to screw around," or something like that. He, he's just like he says something like, "I told you I would come for you." And he says, you get out of this city and never come back. And he's like, Mercy, let's leave. Uh, so, so as a matter of fact, he, he basically Lex knows when he lost. And he gets out of Gotham. And um, you see everybody celebrating New Year's Eve. You see the fireworks. And then the most, the most heart-wrenching panel in the entire story is the very last panel where... On New Year's Eve, uh, the sanction against uh, No Man's Land has been lifted. Gotham City is officially part of the United States again. And Batman is standing there uh, at his parents' grave in full costume while fireworks are going off in the background. I thought it was just fantastic because through all that, he didn't. He never forgot why he was doing it. It was like this. This was the one thing that kept him grounded. Was that his? Uh, you know. He works so hard to keep the city from falling into Luthor's hands. Imagine what would have happened if Lex Luthor bought up all the property in Gotham City. That would be all kinds of messed up. Oh, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on in between, too. I'm talking, like, uh, with Azrael. I'm talking um, the Joker, uh, other Batman villains like uh, Two-Face. But, yeah, so I think I think No Man's Land would be a great would be a great story the only the only problem and, and i completely understand this part of this of, of the issue is that it's a huge story a long story and it would be impossible to fit a 
essentially a year's worth of story into a two, two and a half, or even a three hour movie. So, um, unless you cut a lot of stuff out and I think, I think that would be more detrimental to the story. Um, but to be honest, all the best stuff actually does happen in the final, like in the fifth volume of no man's land, all the best stuff happens there. But if you don't know what happened before that, you're going to end up totally lost. So like we need to see, we need to see the Gotham earthquake and then we need to see volume five of, of Batman No Man's Land. That's it. That's the only part. Because volume five actually has like um, references back to the beginning. You know, when, uh, when the government was still providing uh, refugees with, with food and supplies at the, uh, before the No Man's Land sanction was declared. So... You know, it's it, it's workable. It's doable. But I see where you'd have to make some concessions with that story. Doesn't mean I would, wouldn't love to see it as a movie or even as a miniseries. So that's my pick. So those are our picks for the Batman movie. Those are our picks for Shazam. Um, Usain Bolt. We came up with a couple ideas for how he could cameo in The Flash. I think I think we had a pretty productive day, wouldn't you say? I would. Sounds productive to me. So, um, we just uh, just to wrap everything up. We just want to thank everybody for tuning in and bearing with us through the holiday season. You know, um, we hope you guys had a great holiday, uh, happy New Year. Um, if you want to check us out, follow us on social media. You know, you could follow me at DCN underscore Roy um, or check out my website, uh, DCComicsNews.com for all the latest news about the DC universe and DC movies in particular. And we also do a lot of comic book reviews. So if you're looking for, like uh, like Jess is, if you're looking for books to read, um, check out our review section at dccomicsnews.com. Okay, you guys can find me on Twitter at J-O-K-E-R-G-R-L, so it's at Joker Girl. And you can also read my articles at dccomicsnews.com. And you can find me on Twitter or, or, or Instagram at Jossie. Give me some pity likes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> And as always, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us, follow our podcast on Twitter at DC Films Podcast, and you can find all the latest episodes at DCFilmsPodcast.com. So for the DC Films Podcast, I'm Roy. I'm Jess. I'm Shayna. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you again next week when we have more fun stuff to talk about. <laughs>